Barbeat presents what's happening. This Thanksgiving, the place to dance off those excess home-cooked calories is at Macon Bacon, where the volatile John Smith and the erotic pilgrims will serve up their special brand of good time random cord banging all night long. Anyone who can prove they're of American Indian descent will be given too much whiskey to drink, injected with smallpox, and have all their personal property and much of their native culture stolen right out from under their noses. Then they'll be forced to live in a small corner of Macon Bacon's parking lot for the rest of their natural lives. So join the good times this Thursday at Macon Bacon. If you hunger for a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, then make reservations at Barney's Big Fat Tavern. As soon as you walk through the door, you'll be led to a small rickety TV table in the other room where you'll spend your holiday feast with the disturbed children of Barney and their annoying cousins all night long. You'll be flooded with the kinds of memories that bring tears to the eyes and a sharp searing knife-like pain to the lower intestines as you dig into mounds of overcooked turkey, dry stuffing, bizarre combinations of jello and cranberries, lumpy mountains of gravy mashed potatoes, and steamy, sugary, resiny crocks of sweet potatoes. After you've finished your dessert of leathery pumpkin pie, you can join Barney and his friends as they lay on the floor of the lounge watching It's a Wonderful Life, your body shaking with enough deep organ belching and bone-jarring flatulence that you'll regret the day you were born. And that's what Thanksgiving is all about at Barney's Big Fat Tavern. Meanwhile, at the Holiday Inn, the Wedding Rings Off Lounge is proud to present Elvis impersonator Anthony LeClaire live on stage. Anthony will channel the King of Rock and Roll if the King of Rock and Roll was a short, balding man in a turkey suit who played Funky Town over and over on a harmonica while demanding people in the front row buy him Corvassier and Coke with a dash of lime. I'm Steve Cronin. Call the Barbeat Stictophone if you've got nothing better to do. It is time for another Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour, brought to you by Duck Logic, a Chicago comedy group that had its own radio show called The Cav Alcade on WLUPAM 1000, a pretty big radio station at the time. Each comedy half hour is at least 28 minutes of sketches, songs, or other shenanigans pulled from the Loop Cav Alcade archives plus improv, talk, and whatnot. So, kick back, take a load off, and enjoy the wacky goings on of Duck Logic. You'll laugh. And how? Now it's time for Duck Logic's five tips to a good Thanksgiving. One, turkey is better shared with friends than that one naval recruit who hasn't seen his family since he went missing from the local base. Two, family makes the holiday what it is, a time to be thankful and relieved you won't see them for another year. Three, liquor is quicker and candy is dandy, but there's nothing cute about a domestic dispute. See family above. Four, help clean up after dinner by spraying down everything with your fireman brother's over-enthusiastic use of hoses and other more dangerous equipment. Five, remember to tell everyone what you are grateful for, even if it's a blatant lie. This has been Duck Logic's five tips to a good Thanksgiving. And now, another nearly true classic moment in Thanksgiving history. 1975, Janesville, Wisconsin. Right in the middle of what everyone agreed may be the McCrory family's best Thanksgiving dinner ever, Grandma Jessie lets out a series of blood-curdling screams. She tries to talk in between them, but no one could make out what she was saying. When she was finally calmed down, it turned out she chipped her front tooth. In half. 
on the stuffing. At least her daughter-in-law's missing wedding ring had finally been found, making this another nearly true classic moment in Thanksgiving history. High school football, college football, peewee football, professional football. You can look at a football, smell a football, throw a football, catch a football, put a foot on a ball that looks like a football, be down in the creek or somebody's backyard or your uncle playing football, because football and Thanksgiving go together like Thanksgiving and football! The Duck Logic Theatrical Historical Players would like to present their portrayal of the first Thanksgiving celebration in the continuing series, The Great American Tradition. Quiet up, everybody. Come on. Okay. The planning committee for the Thanksgiving feast is in session. First order of business is when are we going to have it? Any ideas? Uh, how about Tuesday? No way, it's too early in the week. You have a major feast on Tuesday and you're shot for the rest of the week. Oh, okay, how about Monday? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would mean a three-day weekend. We're pilgrims. Look, Christmas is a month away, right? Why don't we have it on Thursday? That way people can ask each other what they want for Christmas and they have the whole weekend to shop. That means we have to put up the Christmas decorations on Thanksgiving? That makes sense. We'll have to put up extra constables on the streets to handle the crowds. What crowds? There's only 300 people in Plymouth. We have three stores. Two of them sell candles. It's people like you, Cecil, who ran the Roanoke Colony. And let me just ask you, where are they now? I still think they went to the Miami Colony for the winter. Right, Cecil. Next order of business, uh, what do we eat? Uh, I, like, I like pork. I like, I like, I like rice pudding. Rice pudding. Rice pudding. Uh, listen, guys, listen, guys. Guys, I'm a newlywed. Yeah, I'm surprised you made it to the meeting. Okay, no, okay, 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 all right. But listen, the only thing my wife knows how to make it is turkey and sweet potatoes. Hey, mine too. Wow. Doesn't sound like much of a feast. I mean, turkey for crying out loud. Why don't we invite some of the Indians? They know how to cook all kinds of things. Berries, nuts, salmon, venison, corn. You're right, Ira. We'll invite the Indians to share our meal of Thanksgiving. Where are we going to put all these people? That's what I want to know. Uh, let's eat outdoors. We'll build long tables. Last time we did that was a Taste of Plymouth. Remember? The kids had a big food fight. Cecil was right. Tell you what, let's make the kids eat at a separate table in the kitchens. Great idea. Let's make the Indians eat in the kitchen, too. You're a newlywed, Sam. I've been married to my wife for ten years, and uh, I wouldn't mind sitting next to Princess Pocahontas when she wears that little buckskin number, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay, here's what we have so far. Thanksgiving on Thursday, we invite mm -hmm. the Indians over. The okay. kids eat at separate tables. Uh, we'll cook turkey, sweet potatoes, and, and you know, we got a lot of pumpkins, right? Oh, so yeah. let's cook some pumpkin pie, and the Indians will bring their food. I hope they don't bring over any of that cranberry jelly stuff. I still have some left over from last Christmas. It doesn't spoil or anything. Try using it as insulation. I use it in my attic. There's a good idea. Okay, next thing to think about is entertainment. I'm thinking that Princess Pocahontas will be entertained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't let Captain Smith hear you say that. Let's burn a witch. Sam, you can't burn a witch every holiday. Uh, Besides, we don't have any witches left. Sarah Horseface has a ward. I saw it. She does? Let's save her for Christmas Eve. Okay. Well, let's burn an Indian. 
we're inviting them to the feast, Sam. It's oh, real yeah. <laughs> bad form to fry a guest. Uh, trust me on this. Okay. What I was thinking was that we all eat too much, then we lay on our parlor floors, holding our bellies and groaning while our wives clean everything up. And then after a few hours, we get up and make sandwiches from leftover food and sit back down and talk about the weather. Cecil, sometimes I think you may be a little too pilgrim. We need a game of some kind. A sport that will create civic pride. A team thing. You know, the Indians have this thing where they grab a pig and try to run with it across a line while the other Indians try to stop them. Well, whose pig is it? Shut up, Sam. I like this. Look, we divide everyone into teams. First one team gets the pig, and they try to run into the other team's territory, see? Then the other side gets the pig, and they try to run with it into the other team's territory. Well, why don't they just share the pig? It's a sport. You don't share anything in sports. Oh. You're an idea, man, Ira. I like that. Tell you what, you arrange a game with the Indians after the feast, but make sure we use one of our pigs. We've never played this game before. They'll kill us. No, we'll play it here, so that way we have the home meadow advantage. Well, they'll still kill us. Want to bet? Sure. Two chickens and an axe says they don't outpig us more than three. You're saying that they won't beat you at this sport by more than three pigs being crossed over into our territory? Yeah! This is getting complex. Uh, why don't we just burn a witch? Enough, enough, enough. The Thanksgiving feast will be followed by the pig-carrying contest. Uh, uh, that covers that agenda. Okay. Are there any more matters of business? Yeah, I'd like to know about that sweetest day thing. Whatever yeah, happened well, with that. Yeah, we're gonna eat for that. We yeah. could burn. We could burn a. I'm a some, newlywed. Some, we could burn something. How about? How about, about Secretary Burning wood. Burning wood. That would yeah. be different, wouldn't it? The Duck Logic Theatrical Historical Players thank you for listening to this edition of the Great American Tradition. You can't stop us if you don't know where we live. And now, as a public service, Duck Logic, in cooperation with the United States Post Office, is proud to present Zip Code Spotlight. Today's zip code is Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, 44221, 44223, and 44224. This has been the Duck Logic Zip Code Spotlight. And now, another nearly true classic moment in Thanksgiving history. 1976, Peoria, Illinois. Neighbors gather in front of John Harkiner's house to applaud something they'd never seen before, an incredible Thanksgiving fireworks display. It was John's first time deep frying a turkey in the backyard, and he lit bushes and trees ablaze, eventually burning his garage to the ground, which is also where he kept a huge cache of illegal Fourth of July goodies, making this another nearly true classic moment in Thanksgiving history. When I was younger, they said I looked like Dak Rambo. <laughs> okay, probably, because I don't know who that is. No, they'd have to hand me a picture of him. He was an actor on soap operas. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, d- yes. Dak Rambo? I think Jim looks, boy, he's a spitting image. Uh, have um, you ever spit an image? <laughs> I tried to spit an image once. If you spit enough times, you can kind of draw something on the cement, but you can't actually <laughs> yeah. just spit a full image at one time, you know? You to- we don't yeah. allow that word player on here, Dave. <laughs> Cut that crap right That's out. not playing. I'm not playing with words. I guess that is, it's not words. officially uh-huh. wordplay, per se. I'm going to hit you with him. Oh, my God. I am showing the guys a picture of Dak right now that I found on uh, Google. He does look like Jim. <laughs> I actually can see that, too. That's kind of wild. A, a young Jim. In those pictures we have from us from the early days, Jim does kind of resemble yeah, this yeah. True. Thick, this guy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I forget. I went to a party 
uh, with they are all Art Institute people. Oh yeah. Remember okay. the, that one waitress at the Deja Vu who was a artist in residence at the Art Institute? She was English. Ooh, I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, I, you said go out with her. We're all we all have girlfriends. You go out with her and tell us what yeah, it's like. We said that about every girl you look sideways yeah. at. Every single one. <laughs> we, we wanted to live vicariously through you. She's a well-known. <laughs> Not really. Uh, she's a well-known artist, style, uh, sculptress in the world. Really, really. And she was a waitress at Deja Vu. The because they, uh, artists they don't make any money. <laughs> They're artists of residence. They don't make nothing. Deja Vu was a bar that did it yeah. have four o'clock license. I think. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. We used to go there. It did. It yeah. was three or four doors down from the players' workshop where we did improv, and so Thursday nights we'd go in there and where we all met each other. Actually, yeah. There was always like an old lady at the end of the bar. I'd get uh, tanked up and then go to work the next day still a little bit, you know, from... Well, because we'd almost be there till it closed. It'd be two or three in the morning. Yes, we used to do those watermelon shots. Trays full of watermelon shots would go around the room. People would be eat buying them or the bartender would be buying them, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. I went with her to a uh, loft party. I remember that lady. Oh, yeah. Jim did go out with an artist. What was her name? Wasn't it Ursula or something like that? Her name is uh, Natalie Clark. Look up Natalie Clark artist on your Google machine, and she has a Google machine place in uh, Spain or studios in Spain, and one someplace else uh, in, in America or someplace. So it's not Natalie Clark, Natalie Clark artist. artist, tall blonde woman. I need to know more information. So you were like dating her? You went out or something, hanging out or whatever you did? She invited me to dinner. And it, it was an apartment building and was full of artists in residence at the uh, Art Institute. Her uh, roommate was a dancer with Mo Ming. She was English. Yeah, there's Nats. Nats. You call her Nats. Wow. Looks like she's wearing a swim cap in this picture, but. And it was this, it was at this table full of all these uh, artists from the Art Institute. And everyone had slept with each other. And it was just. <laughs> everyone had slept with each other. I felt so left out. Her roommate was Shelly Smith. I remember her. No, you don't. You never met her. The Smith kids. Natalie had a Christmas party and was making out on the kitchen floor with Shelly. Wait, you were? Yeah, her roommate. I'm on the kitchen floor with Shelly. And- <laughs> they both bent over to pick up something during the 10-second rule. <laughs> and, and so they were on the floor anyway, and they, the lips met and bang, you know. Photographs and memories. I don't know why I would never, I never imagined you that way. I don't know if I ever heard of you doing this until now. Have you ever tried, Walter? Maybe you should try. Well, to, to make out with Jim? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't imagine him that way. <laughs> oh, I imagine him them doing that. I don't, okay. It's a whole new, hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to find myself there too. We were drinking scotch. Hmm. Whole new avenue of Jim. I was rather shocked. Well, and the thing is, so, uh, well, she had a green card, so she had to go back to England. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the thing is, I think I stayed the night. <laughs> sure, of course. Wait a minute. You think you stayed the night? No, wait a minute. Oh, I know I stayed the night. A lot of scotch. I stayed the night with Shelly Baby. All right. Thinks he stayed the night. Okay, so wait, back up to the kitchen floor. <laughs> yes, okay. It was tile. First of all, give me, give me a better picture. So you were on the floor with Natalie or her roommate? No, it was Shelly. She was a dancer from, from Oh Ming. Oh, a dancer, huh? So she was... Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yep, yep. You know what they say about dancers. 
She was the big Madonna fan. <laughs> she had like a short blonde haircut. Oh. Wow. And you couldn't find a better place to make out than the kitchen floor. That's my next question. Well, oh, you know, I, the only reason I even brought that up is because there were two art teachers who came up to me and say, well, are you Dak Rambo? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Call back. We bring it around. And I said circle. no. <laughs> I am you should, oh, Dak man, Rambo. you should have said, yeah, I am. Well, Valerie said, who's, da who's Dak Rambo? Rambo. <laughs> you should have said, what do you think? And then just left it like that. That way you're not. I'm his stunt double. No, there's a poor star named Rambone. Uh, Dak Rambone? Jack, is it? Yeah, I think it's something Rambone, <laughs> Dick Rambone or something. There. I bet there is. Because they have a sense of irony in the <laughs> porn back in, Yeah, back when porn was porn. Yeah, when it was ironic. <laughs> I want my porn. Ironic I porn. want my porn as ironic as possible. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I don't look at it for any reason other than the irony. Yes. I want you to pretend it's some kind of real movie for a while before you throw it out there in front of me. Irony. It's just dripping with irony. But you couldn't find like a rug or, or a bed or something to be? Walter, it was an apartment, uh, like a tenement. It was spontaneous that you were? There were already people on the living room floor, on the foyer floor, and up on the stairs. They didn't want to pass them to get to the bedroom, so they just went for the kitchen floor, right? This was a packed house of artists. I'm Robin Leach. This is another episode of Sex Services of the Rich and Famous. Well, there was a kitchen table first, a little kitchen table. But that was too squeaky, right? I get it. Uh, oh, okay. And you fell off the table. <laughs> you moved to the and floor. so, wow. while you were courting this young woman... Uh, yes. When you removed her bodice... Blame some of the other courtings. Yes. Gently. No, it's still full of people. I mean, small kitchen, too. Oh, the apartment? Well, yeah. You had to walk over us to get to the refrigerator. <laughs> and people did, I bet. And many people did, apparently. I guess they did. They had never seen a Jack Rambo impersonator before, and they were all very impressed. How much did you get for playing Jack Rambo that night? Dak Rambo. I was surprised these Art Institute teachers watch soap operas. They know Dak Rambo. <laughs> That's not arty at all. Dak Rambo and... Well, I, I didn't know who that was either until I, I Googled the picture. You people listening, go Google Deck Rambo and you'll know. I don't know what soap opera was. I think that a lot of people, what they went through with Deck Rambo, a lot of the times the memories are kind of too fresh. That's a lot for people to talk about the memories they had with Deck Rambo. His actual name is Norman. There you go. Norman J. Rambo, but he goes by Deck. Da it's Dak, D-A-C-K. Spelled with a C-K. Dak Logic. He's widely known for his role as Walter Brennan's grandson, Jeff, in the series Guns of Will Sonnet. Oh, I was going to say The Real McCoys, but Guns of Will Sonnet. He was also played Steve Jacoby in the soap opera All My Children. <gasps> All My Kids. And he was cousin Jack Ewing on Dallas, and he was in Another World, the soap opera. Does it say how many years he spent looking like Jim? Most of his life. <laughs> Oh, yeah, here it's in his Wikipedia page. He goes, yeah, it's a Jim. It's a link to Jim. Often mistaken for, yeah, often mistaken for James F. Russell from the Duck Logic comedy half hour. So there, we're right there. Full full circle. <laughs> he died in 1994 wow. at 52 years old. Heart attack, yeah. I bet. Wow. Did he die of like a broken heart? Yeah, because Jim never talked to him, never did anything, never. <laughs> oh, um he died of 52 from complications from AIDS. Thanks a lot, Walter. There it goes. Yeah, well. Uh, so much for the comedy part of the half hour. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, he had an identical twin brother named Dirk. 
Dirk and Dag. Dirk, Dirk Rambo. Wait a minute. Dirk and Dag Rambo? That's what I should have said. I'm not Dag Rambo. I'm Dirk. <laughs> I'm Dirk Rambo. Uh, you know, I get I get mistaken. A lot of people make that mistake. And now another nearly true classic moment in Thanksgiving history. 1962, Hanover, Michigan. The Jonquil family table was set with all the Thanksgiving favorites: mashed potatoes, buttermilk biscuits, green beans with almonds, homemade cranberry sauce, sweet potato casserole, and even Aunt Edna's lemon jello with green olives jello mold. A favorite only of Aunt Edna. Everyone was patiently waiting for the final guest at the table, the 30-pound turkey de resistance, when they suddenly heard crying from the kitchen. Upon entering, they found Mrs. Junkwell sobbing uncontrollably, kneeling by a well-picked over turkey carcass on the floor, while the family dogs were sound asleep on their backs with their paws on their stomachs snoring in the corner, making this another nearly true classic moment in Thanksgiving history. Good morning, boys and girls. I'm Edie, the breakfast fairy, with a daily diet calendar. Today's food is, mmm, pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice is a good thing. Try some every single day. Pumpkin spice is a good thing. Makes your troubles go away. Pumpkin spice is a good thing. Try some, yes you can. So make some pumpkin spice part of your breakfast plan. Good morning, pumpkin spice. Can you tell the boys and girls what you're made of? Why, thanks, Edie. While I'm called pumpkin spice, I don't actually contain any pumpkin. Instead, I'm typically a blend of cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, cloves, and allspice with just a dash of white privilege. My original blend can be traced back as far as 1791, but I really hit my stride in 2003 when Starbucks put me in their lattes. After that, I spread like a cold sore at a frat party. Now every autumn, I'm shoehorned into any product the marketing guys can think of. Twinkies, Oreos, Cheerios, yogurt, bagels, beer, milk bones, candles, lipstick, deodorant, dishwashing liquid, trash bags, pretty much everything but pumpkin pies. Yes, pumpkin spice is a good thing, and I'm easy to get sick of real fast. Thank you, Pumpkin Spice. And remember, boys and girls, you are what you eat. U.S. restaurants produce billions of pounds of food waste every year, so we're trying our best to put a dent in that statistic at Leftovers. At Leftovers, your food is guaranteed to be made fresh. Yesterday, or the day before yesterday, or at least early last week, at some other restaurant. It's carefully reheated in the microwave and brought to your table, sometimes still in that resealable styrofoam clamshell thingy. I ordered the half a burrito with a side of hard french fries. And my wife got the damp BLT and reheated stuffing. It felt just like home. And every Sunday at Leftovers during football is our Table Scraps Brunch. Sunday game brunch is awesome, just like when I show up late to a party at my brother-in-law's. I can watch the game and chow down on whatever's left at the bottom of potato chip bags. Pretzel bowls with only crumbs and salt, orange Cheetos dust, brown guacamole, or soggy crackers and cheese. 
Then I can wash it down with warm cans of skunky beer or two-liter bottles of that flat Coke and Mountain Dew. At Leftovers, you never know what you're having because our uh, menu changes every day, pretty much every hour. And we try not to leave our food in the back of the fridge longer than a week. So come on out to Leftovers and have whatever they were having yesterday. This week's After Thanksgiving special at Leftovers, Tupperware containers crammed with chalky mashed potatoes, congealed gravy, turkey with a sort of slime on it, and rubbery pumpkin pie. Based on suggestions received through the contact page on our website, we now take you to a cranberry bog somewhere in Maine. Hey, Jim, what's wrong? You look so sad. My life has been feeling so bogged down lately. Well, we are cranberries. Being in a bog is kind of our thing. Yeah, but it's almost Thanksgiving. And I'm no closer to my dream of being in a can of cranberry sauce. And I hope to one day be part of one of those fancy fruit drinks like Cranapple. But who knows what the future holds? We could end up on a string between pieces of popcorn. With my luck, I'll just be in a bag with a bunch of other losers being thrown onto a salad. It's not like we really have a lot of options. We don't even have any role models. Hey, guys, what are you two up to? We're pretending to be cranberries. And why, pray tell, are you doing that? We're doing a Thanksgiving improv. Our who is two cranberries, and our where is a bog somewhere in Maine. Well, have you made a reference to the band, the cranberries, yet? I was just about to when you showed up and broke the rhythm. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Look, if you'll start over, we could make it three cranberries in Maine. I don't know if we can recapture the magic, uh, but I guess we can give it a try. <clears throat> we now take you to a cranberry bog somewhere in Maine. Hey, Jim, you look down. What's wrong? My life is getting bogged down. <laughs> well, we are cranberries. We're all in a bog eventually. But I'm not closer to my dream of being in a can of cranberry sauce. And my dream of being part of a cranapple drink isn't close either, but who knows? We could be strung up with popcorn and hung on a tree. With my luck, I'll be tossed into a salad. Just to paint a big L on my forehead. We don't have a lot of options. Or role models. What, what about, about the, the band, band the cranberry? cranberry? Hey, that was my line. Sorry, I thought it was mine because I came up with it last time. Hi, everybody. Well, what are you guys doing? Pretending to be, to be cranberries. cranberries. Uh, why? It's a Thanksgiving improv. Oh, uh, <clears throat> can I join in? We'll have to start over again. Uh, have you mentioned the band, the Cranberries? Yes. Yes, in every possible way. All right, let's try it again. We now take you to Maine. Hey, Jim, why so blue? I don't know. I'm just bogged down. Well, we're cranberries, so bog is natural for us. Yeah, but I want to be in cranberry sauce. I want to be in a bottle of cranapple, but we'll probably end up on a string next to some stale popcorn. With my luck, I'll end up a loser in a salad. There's not a lot of options. And we have no role models. What, what about, about the band, band the, the cranberries? cranberries? Well, what about them? Wouldn't our role model be something more like, um, I don't know, uh, goji berries? They're a superfood. Wait, so goji berries are sort of our superman. Which would make them great role models. But uh, what do we even need a role model for? I just wanted to reference the Cranberries because I like that band. Come on, stay in character or we'll have to start over again. I thought a role model would help us Cranberries reach our goals and give us something to be thankful for at Thanksgiving. Brought it back to Thanksgiving nice. But is this really even an improv anymore? It is starting to sound like a script and a poorly written one of that. I don't think this is going to end up making the podcast. We don't really have a whole lot of Thanksgiving-themed stuff, so it probably will make it on. Hmm. Well, maybe you could throw uh, some sound effects on, uh, you know, to make it funny-er. Uh,
That's it, funny er. Oh, right, right, right. How's this? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's more like it. I think that could kick things up. And and I could sprinkle in a little of this throughout. (laughs) Excellent. It'll be as funny as your average sitcom. Is that what we're going for? Thanksgiving isn't really all that funny of a holiday, so I think we probably need to be thankful for whatever we got. And now, another nearly true classic moment in Thanksgiving history. 1626, the third Thanksgiving celebration in Plymouth, Massachusetts, near the now-famous Rock. The Native Americans beat the Pilgrims 21-7 in the first-ever Thanksgiving Day football game. So ashamed were the Pilgrims, they decided not to start official records just yet, claiming they deserved a mulligan. When they lost the following year, they decided not to keep records until they prevailed, which finally happened 243 years later, in 1869, the year the game of football is said to have been invented. The Pilgrims then claimed themselves world champions and started a lucrative line of Pilgrim sportswear, making this another nearly true classic moment in Thanksgiving history. Well, there you have it. The Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour Show number 109, featuring in alphabetical order, David Dunlosky, Kevin, Walter Mitchka, James F. Russell, and Tim Thomas as the Beaver. Check out our Facebook page when you get a chance. Our website is ducklogiccomedy.com. Portions of this podcast were previously broadcast on the radio under the copyright of Duck Logic Limited and the licenses of WLUP, AM and FM in Chicago. Thanks for listening. See ya.